Michael. Uh, do you want to do a song or something? I don't no. Know. Okay. <laughs> hey, this is Frame Rate. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Swain. <laughs> That's Abe Epperson. I'm Abe Epperson. I'm just letting you feel it because you've been a jerk to me recently, okay? Whoa. Recently, meaning in the last 12 seconds. Just (laughs) a meanie boy. That's you. I do apologize, but I like to reserve the singing openings for Kings of King because I don't want everything on the network to just be songs. Trying to bring the people happiness, get their swam quotient. Mm -hmm. Their swotient. And speaking of that, they're going to get their Teresian on this episode. Which is their quotient of Teresa? Because Teresa Lee is also here with us. Hey, Teresa. Hello. I like Teresa. That's cool. It's almost like uh, it sounds like it, it would be like in a museum to describe, like one of those cards to describe an old pot. Like it's this is Teresa, you know? Ooh, yeah. You're like an old pot. <laughs> Th- thank you. I, I can't say hey, how your flattered words. I am. <laughs> a vase that is reminiscent of Teresa's. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's been way too long. Thank you so much for being here. And I gotta say, you picked a movie that has so much emotional power in my life. Yeah, that I'm I loved scared it. to talk wow. about it. Did I'm you? Mm-hmm. Had you? Did I gather from our email thread correctly that this is your first time seeing this movie? Yes, it was my first mm-hmm. time, and I. And then I told my parents I was watching it for the first time. And then, because then my mom was like, oh, I thought you saw it. But then watching it, I was like, I know I haven't seen it. Like, I, I've heard of it, obviously. And I know David Bowie and I like his stuff. But it's like, I just didn't watch it growing up. You know, when you like miss the chance as a kid. And then like, it's not like a random one you watch for the first time and with I, a group. Unless there's a, like, yeah. a reason, you know. I um, only yeah. watched this movie growing up. It's probably the movie <laughs> I've seen the most times in my life. I watched it exclusively on Laserdisc many oh, times yeah. a day, every day for many years in a row as a child. Yes. Obsessively. I, I loved it. And I have to say, I'm bummed I didn't want I I feel like none of my friends know me well enough to have made me watch it. You know what I mean? It feels so yeah. me. And then I... And I like I know a ton of people who liked it that I'm like, I had a totally different idea of what it was. Like, I don't know why, but I thought it was uh, going to be very scary. And like, like, I think I got it confused with some other movie, but I, I thought it was going to be like a weird, scary, like Requiem for a Dream kind of trippy, like almost like druggy kind of thing. And it's not at all. It's a very delightful movie that I feel like helps you sort out emotions as a child growing up in ways that... Um, other movies I've tried to do it, but are written by pedophiles have done, and I like this one better. <laughs> right. Oh, right. Jim Henson, right. yeah, as far as I know, is a goddamn angel. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm specifically talking about Alice in Wonderland. Like, it, it gives me those vibes, but Al, and I loved Alice in Wonderland, right. but when right. I hear about Lewis Carroll, it kind of bugs or me. Or like so. C.S. Lewis or something like Peter that. Peter Pan like, also has that issue. Yeah, so I'm yeah. like, why did not... I, why did I not watch this one? This one kind of tells you to beware of pedophiles in a way. Like, it kind of oh, tells you to beware of everything. Oh my gosh! Okay, you're so, throwing here's out, what we've learned in frame rate so out far. So many intriguing threads. Yeah, go ahead, Abe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Welcome, oh. Teresa. Uh, <laughs> there's so we've learned in frame rate that if you're a science fiction writer, you got weird views on the gays, <laughs> and huh. if you and if you're a fantasy writer. Uh, you might diddle kids. This is oh, not no. a great state 
uh, of the union for writing. I don't know because I used to love writing fantasy and um, I love science fiction. And now it make, I realize why I didn't watch any science fiction growing up because I don't think... I don't think their messages spoke to me, but I like the, pre- you know what I mean? Like I think underneath there is a darkness that maybe I picked up on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, <laughs> so that- I didn't like that. And now I'm like, but I like the idea of science fiction. Like, is there like, let's just make the new stuff. Not yeah. weird and diddly. <laughs> I like Swaim watch the shit out of this movie. And I'm surprised that you didn't, uh, <laughs> only because like most of the times, like I watched it a lot, but I watched it with, like groups like it was one of the it was like a main contender maybe it speaks to like what schools i was going to but you know how you'd have like when at at a certain point they wouldn't curate like the movie you watch during pizza parties or whatnot Mm -hmm. at school that Mm -hmm. you you reach an age where you get to choose and it would be between like this like space balls and like monty python holy grail yeah it's to me i guess maybe that's just a i had a weird weird school i mean like the goonies is one i remember that was one of those that yeah. i do remember was playing a lot but I, it happened to be i've never sat through the whole thing and that's more like oh you know it would be playing in this room and then also people are flirting outside so then i'd go flirt so it's like i remember <laughs> the goonies was playing it's like flirt the flirt room you know you know but like <laughs> but this one i don't remember ever being like playing so i it wasn't until well, i grew it's... up that i was like aware of it as a cultural thing yeah, I mean, schools have their own memes in a way. You know, like someone shows a, oh, sure. a movie one time and mm-hmm. like when kids are eight and then 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds are like, this movie is the jam. All of a sudden, it's like a thing in the school. So that's well, probably also, what happened. Well, also pre-streaming. I mean, honestly, it's yeah. like who, if you don't have the VHS, it's like it's not going to... It's all word of mouth, yeah. You're not going to watch it. So maybe that's it too. Well, just different age. But yeah, I watched the shit out of this. Uh, yeah, and, I love, by the yeah. way, how coy we're being about the movie title for no reason. Oh, so we I'm going to get it out of the way <laughs> and ask, read it. Teresa, of all the amazing threads we could pull on, the one I'm going to tug on first is you said, this movie is so me. It surprised you that you hadn't seen it because it's so you. What aspects of the labyrinth are so <laughs> Teresa Lee? Like, what resonated the most with you? And you're like, oh, I should have seen this 10 years ago. Well, the first big theme of, like, in order to go forward, you have to go back is a huge one. Mm. And then the biggest one that I took away that I've been thinking about all of quarantine is the idea of trusting yourself and of understanding intuition and being able to parse out and learn from your mistakes as opposed to feeling helpless like a lost little girl in a maze needing the help of others who you have no idea if they have your best interest or not so that really resonated with me because i feel like especially with things i've dealt with recently i'm like aha yes very true good and i feel like as an adult i'm like i wish i watched this as a kid because then i would have maybe like remembered it when i was going through situations (laughs) (laughs) oh that's an interesting yeah yeah, first question is Okay, so I have a really weird take on this, but do you guys think Labyrinth is a strong, like, moral for kids? Because we live at a time where I feel like Pixar's almost refined this to a science. 
where you walk mm-hmm. away going, wow, they really nailed a blend of like true wisdom that stays true. It's true for adults, but it's kind of cool and challenging to present to children. And uh, it's almost mundane how much they knock it out of the park. It's like a mimetic joke that then you cry at the end and you're like, that was so true. And you leave the Pixar movie. But this, when Labyrinth came out, I feel like Jim Henson and Jim Henson Company were some of the most complex and like true like i go right on man like Mm. morals for kids and i still think personally that the labyrinths the uh the sort of thematic moral that it's that it's on the surface going for of navigating life's mazes and the thing that really chokes me up is we'll be here should you need us as trite as it is of like growing up is this kind of mourning of leaving the magic of childhood but giving yourself permission to access those things again, that's, you know, it's not, there's no disgrace in it. So it's like finding that balance within yourself of maturing, but holding on to some of your childish things. And I really love that. And it's like, it is a mission statement for what Jim Henson did with his life. And Frank Oz and the whole crew is like embrace imagination and childlike wonder and do what is frankly crazy, right? Like (laughs) invent, just make a bunch of piles of felt and do a show for kids. And it became this phenomenal empire that gives me so many warm, fuzzy feelings that I'll never not be nostalgic for. Mm. And I think Labyrinth, I'm probably biased, but it's like kind of the pinnacle for, I love the message of the Labyrinth. But then on the other hand, does anyone else think that it's about masturbating for the first time? Well, like that's, is that, that, was <laughs> crack, that was a crack thing, right? That was Soren's today's topic. Okay, well, can I respond right. to one thing you said? Sure, please. About it being... Because so, I'm assuming when you say moral for kids, you mean as opposed to for adults, like it resonates more with kids? Is that what you mean? Like the, well, I okay, feel so like... I would, yeah, go ahead. Well, the idea of growing up, I would present another perspective having watched that for the first time as an adult I totally think that's true because if you watch it as a kid that's the lesson you take but for me as an adult watching it, it I don't think growing up is a thing that happens once I think it's a thing that happens pretty prominently around our you know like teenage adolescent years and that's why mm. we always think of that growing up moment I think I grew up in a different way during quarantine and so there's like a second evolution and you're always evolving but the big thing for me is not about letting go of your childhood or hanging on to magic I took it more literally like the voices are you like you you walk around with you know voices in your head not like in a like literal way but you know sometimes you're like should I do this should I not you have voices in your head and as you get older, mm. you learn which ones uh, represent what parts of yourself, like the ego, the um, higher self, you know, like the, ch- the inner child. And you actually start to hear them as distinctive voices and you listen to them all and they all can be happy. So that's kind of how I took it is like, I always have me wherever I go. And even in the parts I'm alone, I'll always have me. So I can always be like, hey, what would I do? and then talk my way out of a bad situation instead of feeling alone. Yeah, there's always, I think everyone remembers as a milestone in their life that moment where you first develop the voice that always goes, nothing, nothing, tra-la-la. (laughs) Tra-la-la. Yeah. See, my take on it was that I kind of, I agree with, I agree with you, Teresa, that I think that it's not just for, like, I don't think the labyrinth equal sign uh, as like a, 
representative concept equal sign her adolescence or like one mm. child who is like a placeholder for all children becoming an adult. But I do think it is a larger conversation about uh, responsibility mm. and how it's easy because children are hedonistic and As always to about, it's like me, me, me. Yeah, that. Hmm. So it's easy. I don't know about that one though. But I don't. I know. Uh, tons I don't of know many children. Make... No, I feel so. like I. May, I know tons of adults who I would describe as way more hedonistic and maybe yes. even in a damaging way because they exactly. actually know consequences and they're not just following their pleasure principle. They're purposefully hurting others to enjoy themselves. Exactly, just like Hoggle dusting out fairies at the beginning. Exactly right, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying is that you can be adult. And still take a lesson from mm. the same labyrinth that, you know, Sarah goes through in this movie is still representative to any adult. It's just her story is one of like there's one moment where there's like um, the worm at the beginning of the labyrinth says, yeah. go down that way. No, not that way. And then go down that way. To the right. And she, by the way, I, I this is the first viewing, even though I've seen it so many times. I only really re uh, got it because of screen direction, and I focus on screen direction. Uh -huh. She chooses right all the all the she time. She always chooses right, and it's always Three the wrong times. choice. Which, by yeah. the way, in video games or like any maze I'm navigating, I always go left first, left side, strong side, <laughs> left side, strong well, side. Well, no, but I mean but that's it, she's sorry, always correct, but she leads to a harder struggle. Is but that what you mean? That's the point, though. She learned like she wouldn't have. It's almost like she has to make all those mistakes to actually make the final right choice because right. it all led up to that moment. And the worm is I really like that scene because I took it as like a like my first thought, maybe because I come in with an adult point of view. So I already maybe have learned some of the lessons. But the worm mm. says, don't go that way. And she goes, oh, thank you. But she doesn't ask why or she doesn't ask who are you or what do you want or why or, should I yeah. trust you? There's an absolutely like as a child, there is a inclination mm -hmm. to trust someone giving you instructions because that's what you've been taught but as you grow mm -hmm. older you learn like i am going to become a person who can give myself the direction and she does that so that's why she yeah. starts to question but and my first not thought only when, that, yeah go ahead sorry. well i just wanted to throw in there i the one thing i picked up was that i always picked up i guess is that when she goes right which is the way that she was kind of, the worm was gesturing yeah like she's not she's listening uh, but then the worm has an aside at the end that says, ah, she should have gone the other way. That takes yeah. you right to the castle. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's kind of a metaphor for the idea of like, you can know the answer and yeah. go there. You can cut through the labyrinth very easily if you yeah. have the answer. But the thing is to learn there's one thing about learning like let's say responsibility mm -hmm. and there's one and then there's something about actually learning it by walking the path of understanding why it's like what wise you know and she le learns mm. all these lessons uh along the way i just thought that that's an interesting kind of like setup for everything Sorry. is that she just has only like three or four choices she really has to make but ultimately it's just a way in which she's navigating the space that makes her understand and her change that she has to do something and well, that's that's applicable to children, just, to adults. I just thought of something that I want to say, and I, tell me if it's already a theory, because I know this movie has existed forever. So, like, definitely slam it down if it's already over-talked about. But has anyone discussed about the idea of machine learning as um, it relates to this movie? 
No, I've never heard of that. So she everything she's presented is a binary, which is very much how computers oh, think. True. But it's not a binary in the sense of like a binary world, like when we're talking genders and things, because there are infinite possibilities and infinite solutions and infinite problems. But the one choice in front of her is always a binary, right? Go mm -hmm. here, go here, do nothing, do Up something. Up or down. Yes. This door and that, that door. And that is how computers yeah, think. Right. That's how yeah. computers think. And it's sometimes like the way that I've been thinking, because I've been trying to reprogram my own brain like a computer. <laughs> um, and I think of it like, even if you don't know the answer, if you know where you are is not where you want to go, you make the best choice you can. And if they're equal, then just make a choice. And then if that choice is wrong, then you learn from that. And then the next one becomes easier. So the feeling that you have to make the right choice all the time is actually going to lead you to the wrong place because you're going to, yeah, because yeah, you're going to ignore the warning signs like, oh, this person's not trustworthy or like blah, blah, blah. And if you start to just trust your intuition, you can train your intuition. And that's what she does. So to me, I think it's actually a perfect example of how the human brain develops and how computers develop on a very, very like fundamental sense. Yeah. I mean, it's how they tell you how to, uh, like in, in game theory for, yeah. or not game theory, but like theory of games, when you're traversing a maze or a labyrinth, they say that the best way to do it, right. Is to pick like right or left and you hug that wall so that that way, <laughs> if you always are hugging the right wall mm. by the end of it, you will Assuming have the maze is static, yeah. Studying the, the, yeah, the maze doesn't move. But you can't make those assumptions, but I will say you should yeah. be very clear about the assumptions you make because it's smart to do that. If you assume mm -hmm. it's static and then you're proven wrong, you know the moment it changed. Then you can go mm -hmm. back and change it. So if you're not keeping track of... I mean, this is when I get really into singularity stuff, So, but... Mm -hmm. I also well, the, think yeah, the sorry, way Sage ahead. does that. He says sometimes the way forward is the way back or sometimes you don't think yes. you're getting forward, but you actually are. And I also I, I realize another reason I like this a lot and is because a lot of like more adult movies or even like the Disney villain movies, there always is like an antagonist. It's very black and white. When I say this is binary, it's not really about the villain. Like it's, it takes more of a like a Miyazaki approach where nobody is really evil and nobody is really good. And everyone has their own moral compass and nobody, it's a little bit more of an accurate representation of like how to be a person in the world and respect boundaries. Like Hoggle or whatever, he is clear about not being trustworthy, but he does also have his like more, you know, he does help her. So to me, that's like, there's no more morality we need to assign to him. Like he's just trying to survive. I would like, argue Jareth is and does Put the bill of being an antagonist, although it's unclear. Like, no, he gives her what she wants in the beginning. So I would say he I actually know, she, is her shadow self that actually helps her get what she wants, so that she realizes she doesn't want it. I'm just arguing that his motives and his vibe are sinister. Mm. Again, to bring it back to the like, mm. man, I love how all the different things you're getting out of it, but I also want to reaffirm the vision of it from my childhood exists like it still is about okay, okay. coming of true, age true, true. right or is jared about what coming of age like it also still is on the surface oh, yeah, level absolutely. about yes. like yeah. and i think one of the adult points that appeals to me the most that does come from jareth is she says that's not fair and like i think this is something like you guys are talking about mm -hmm. that a kid wouldn't really register but as an adult really gets me she says that's not fair and his response ultimately is you say that so often i wonder where your basis of comparison is 
like part of growing up is the realization that like you're saying there isn't a positive or negative charge to making the right decision or the wrong decision if you make the wrong decision you learn if you make the right decision quote unquote the outcome you want it happens but you don't learn so either way it's a trade-off and that is what coming of age is in some regard um but I also think coming but, of age is a concept mm -hmm. we created as adults to belittle children because you're always developing. And the idea of coming of age is really to like I that resonates with me that she's having a big change. But it's to me more the feeling of going from needing to rely on someone else for your safety to relying on yourself. And the baby represents that because it's like when you're a child, you mm. are helpless. But then she starts to have the ability to keep the baby safe. She doesn't want Which the baby, is, right, but she taking knows responsibility that baby, yeah. for something outside yourself. I totally agree that like parts worth work is a thing. Like I, I completely agree that you mature in stages, but I think the genre in film of like coming of age stories is speaking to something mm -hmm. true. Like, I think you're, I think there's a statistical, like if you graft where parts of people mature in their lives, I think there's a band where a bunch of parts of you mature at once. Right. And we call that coming of age but you're right or that puberty. that line's very yeah. blurry and people think well i'm an adult now i'm 21 and that's i think it's more the case. it's more i think you're yeah it's it's mostly mm. that societally we've seen that the visual cue of like developing your your body developing through puberty we say that's a signal point for us as a society to all go okay they can learn the adult stuff now hmm. so we thrust them into that which situation. means responsibility for others right like that's yeah. the ultimate adult sort thing of, that but we I are think asking for herself okay so i think you're all right about the coming of age body wise i think our society and films in the past didn't focus so much on the coming of age of mind and i think that's why i like this movie so much it does feel like it's a map and that she comes of age of mind, which a lot of adults, um, yes. some in government, don't have, have never come of age of mind. <laughs> and and it's we're surprised because they look like adults, but it, it's a part of your, it's a development. Like basically your amygdala, I mean, not to get too into it, but the amygdala is what communicates between your prefrontal cortex and your limbic system. Children live in their limbic system. And as you get into your late 20s, your prefrontal cortex, which is like reasoning and mm. all the new lessons you learn, that becomes way more active. And if you've developed properly, which I haven't because trauma can lead to it being stunted. So I had that sort of growth really recently and it made me realize, oh, now I can keep myself safe. But for a very long time, a lot of my anxiety and depression came from a feeling of not being able to feel safe no matter where I went. And I think this movie addresses that. I mean, it doesn't get so in the weeds so it can go over your head, but maybe because of my recent experience, like feels like they're addressing the coming of age of mind more than body. Um, but it does mention, like I'm saying, re absolutely. revelations like life isn't fair, life is dangerous. It's going to be a labyrinth. Hmm. Yeah. But, okay, there's a line the at the very end when, mm -hmm. when Jared says, um, I have been generous. That part really caught me because as I that would have gone over in my head as a kid. I would just like, he sounds evil. As an adult, I can pinpoint that. That's like abuser behavior, right? It's yeah. a flat out lie. It's a pattern. He's straight up manipulating and saying something that's not true but she catches it and says how have you been generous and she catches the lie and a lot yeah. of adults don't catch that adults fall into that all the time you'll say like yeah 
oh, how could you do this? I did this and this for you. But you know deep down that they don't want what's best for you. But because we've been trained to be polite or trained to take people at their word, we as adults fall into those yeah. pitfalls faster. So that's what I'm saying is when he says I'm generous, he's gaslighting her and you grant that. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a technical quibble, but so why don't you consider him the antagonist? Because as a person, everybody is just trying to get what they want to feel safe. What makes him feel safe is, I mean, he's not right. He needs to find a better way, but that's his motive right now is to feel safe. And that's what he needs to do. It's not correct. But, but that's he, true well, of he's, he's going out of his way to lie. He's, he literally says, because he wants obey her, the baby. me and I'll be your slave. I have, mm. there's a hundred percent of me is saying, no, he never thinks he's going to be a slave. But do you he think that in to order obey. to get where you're going, everyone who is in your way needs to not exist? No, that's not what. It, no, it's it has to do. It or has could to they find a way truthful. to exi- Right, but he want right. So he needs to learn his lesson. He's not going to get a baby by lying. But I think he wants a baby for reasons we don't get into in this movie. But I'm sure it mm. ties back to some feeling of needing to nurture or whatever. And eventually, maybe if he fails enough, he'll try something different. Right, he'll try a different binary. He'll try the other path. I gotta say, wouldn't any film villain and real life villain? Always, if you could like interview them, say that they had reasons, you know, like Hitler just wanted a baby, so to speak. But that doesn't make him not an antagonist. (laughs) No, because in the movie, his getting his goal does not really affect her. I mean, in a way, yes, but he's not like it's hard. Like in Miyazaki films, the same way, there are antagonists who are stopping you from getting your goal, but you don't need to vanquish them to achieve your goal, which she also doesn't vanquish him to get her goal. So that's true. That's no, more he's what more I mean. like it. a living monkey's paw or a genie. Yeah. Like your problem yeah. is you wished upon him and it be careful what you wish for. Um, well, okay. So uh, can I tangent wait. and do, Oh, go wait, ahead. Can I say go one ahead. final then thing? I Cause I, yeah, I want to hear yeah, a tangent. I want to hear um, how it affected your childhood. But uh, one thing I forgot <laughs> to bring up that I feel like you guys, We'll appreciate as filmmakers is the, I mean, it's so obvious, but as a kid, I don't think I would have realized that. But she says, she talks about um, the Goblin King when she's looking in the mirror, which is, you know, whatever classic shot. But that's also why I picked up that it's her shadow self, because she's talking to herself kind of like, this is what I really want. Like, our mm-hmm. life will be good if I just have it my way. And then mm. she fights herself. So that's why I view this as like a fight within herself, because of that whole mirror exchange. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think that. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think oh yeah, that I think that's in that there. That's, yeah, and we should point out a screenplay by Terry Jones of Monty Python. You mentioned Holy Grail earlier, so I think, or like, if you're familiar with Terry Jones's writing, he's very into allegory and parables and fairy tales but they always are pretty complex and and adultified so i think that that's the strings you're pulling on are definitely there Mm -hmm. which is why i don't think that it's impossible (laughs) that there's also a very strong masturbation thread in here and i just want to pull at that thread for a second so Mm -hmm. uh, i alluded to it before but to be a uh, Bowie's advocate for a second, because Abe is right. I think Soren wrote a today's topic with these details in it, but like watching it through this lens, I saw so many more things because I haven't watched it since we mm. did that today's topic. And it's like, so I made notes, so j- bear with me. But the first line is give me the child. 
which, mm-hmm. you know, just speaking to impregnation and the yeah. idea of like coming of age physically is the coming idea of becoming of fertile. There you go. Well, <laughs> hey, come on feet is a very uh-huh. notable line. Oh, and it's so um, hard to find a center. It's like true. how men come can't find feet. a clit. You're like, where is it? It's I don't know. It could be it's anywhere. Like yes. down there. <laughs> if you were casting something as as the clitoris incarnate, it would be David Bowie. Oh my god! He, he but, that's not, but no, but then that's so male gazy because that's just a joke. Everyone knows where it is. I mean, I all hope. right, all right, <laughs> that's it, true. It that's true. So the actual stuff is because I'm I'm bringing this up because I do I think it's actually in there. I think mm. it was intended by one of the authors when because I, things like, I call it a hoggle. Like I'm saying, I think they had conversations <laughs> about how much to tip this and they decided to not tip it very much but it's in there and my evidence is opening line resonant in most films give me the child of course the mom says and i'm sure i think Sora mentioned this in his today's topic like mm. oh i'd be happy if you were having dates you should be having dates at your age so there's this theme of the mm. late bloomer idea and it's tied to physicality um the opening credits song lyrics written <laughs> and performed by david bowie are no one would blame you for walking away, but too much protection, no love injection. So it's like, if you wear a condom, you won't get pregnant. That imagery is in there. What's up with um, masturbation, you, though? Who's condom masturbating? I mean, no judgment, but like... Well, okay, so I'll tie it together. Okay. Uh, the, I mean, I threw in some joke ones, but the real ones are, she. we pan over her... Uh, you know her her like effects in her bedroom at the beginning, mm-hmm. and much like the Wizard of Oz, we see that she has a doll that looks like Sir Didymus. You know, the you're like, oh, there, yeah. Ludo was represented by the thing mm, in her the thing. Firewalkers. If yeah. you look carefully, David Bowie's clearly her drama teacher at school because mm-hmm. in the yearbook there's mm-hmm. like drama class wins award, and she's there with David Bowie smiling. So, and his name's Jeremy, and now he's Jareth. So the idea. Idea, and this makes total sense to me like this the movie works on this level is that that night when her parents were gone she neglected babysitting her brother <laughs> to jerk off to a fantasy about her drama teacher and it was her first time climaxing hmm. with alone with herself and that was a big moment of growing to adulthood for her and i actually think the movie totally works on that level and it all tracks although it is kind of creepy that it's written by just two old men mm-hmm. and Do you that think that's it was an underlying though? part of the story because i would I also think say it is conscious i think that hmm. that's I think the, the hands. I think the, the hands? contact juggling is clitoral imagery. I think mm-hmm. there's clues there. But then I would argue uh, you could kind of do that for so many things because almost everything, if you really break it down and go past masturbation, like even the idea of trusting yourself and trusting your intuition, is this idea of finding yourself, which is could be a euphemism for masturbation, or it could be a way to describe like. And now you're going really far in the past, but like the idea of like kundalini or discovering the truth full self of actually putting all your energy together which connects to the amygdala communicating between the parts of the brain because you grow up segmented and then you put them together and then all of a sudden you like come into your power (laughs) come get it and uh it's not just about pleasure it's about reason it's like you can use what you know about your own body and mind to then go through life feeling safe, finding your own uh, tribe, being able to make the right judgments, choices that will put you in the best place. And all that you can learn from masturbating. And it's not just to get wet. It's to get through life and be safe. Although she does get 
wet as the very first image in the movie, which I think Soren may have yeah. mentioned in the today's topic as well. He as mostly cool. dwelled so, on. I just watched. I watched it before. He dwells oh, okay. on the 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 hand tube. Huh. The, the oubliette, the hands, the, where they all like the hands, yeah, the latex hands. It's she a very male it. um, perception then. It's be- a male version of it. It's yeah. A, yeah. Because the uh, fact that she just spent one night in Climax, I'm like, I mean, I'd love to hear if that happened for any girls out there, but I feel like for most women, it's like a gradual, even. like you're taking yeah. it and like, there's like, oh, well, this part lit up, this part lit up. And then you're like 25 and you're like, and now play the song. And then you play the whole orchestra and you're like, oh, right. I know the song and now. I don't, yeah, I don't you think learn anyone's saying, <laughs> or like, I'm certainly not saying, uh, yes, a properly driven clitoris is like conducting a symphony. Kind of. Uh, I mean, I, we're complicated creatures. We're like, a, yeah, I guess in hey, that way it's a labyrinth. A little yeah. like a labyrinth. Yes. This is what I'm saying. But I don't think anyone, I'm Nailed certainly it. not saying it's just about masturbation. Hmm. I'm just saying, I think that as the whole coming of age, like pie that they made, I think there's a thin layer of masturbation sexual becoming fertile uh-huh. there's a baby but you don't understand the link between sex and babies fully i think that whole male gazy take on it is in there i, and I that's could all. see that i just think it's I, in there yeah, yeah. it's there yeah i could see that when i, I also want to speak to the smelly um pond because i think the other thing i got from it because mm-hmm. i kind of saw the labyrinth as like a, a, a map the of the brain pond. well uh, it, the bog of it, eternal stench right right the bog of eternal stench to me like the labyrinth is Uh, like you know this is not just me like it's the map of life but it's a more literally to me map so i think your body is actually um kind of a map of your life because you know there's i don't know there's the idea of like your your root you know being like the butt part and the poops and whatever but it's not just like waste like no truly though like it's like whatever you know what nourishes you also it becomes waste and then comes back goes back in the earth and nourishes there's this sort of like rebirth and this idea of like the end is the beginning and the stench i honestly thought they were going to jump in and find on the other side there was the castle but i i guess they didn't go there but i also feel like oh, that's, i like that like you have to shoot the moon and give in to the <laughs> shit to reach they, the, because that they, is included in the movie though in the oh, escher-esque yeah. uh situation where, like in the that sequence where it's like escher yes she, j- she takes a leap of faith yeah. to find toby because oh, you're the, saying it requires giving in and letting go you yeah. definitely yeah. <laughs> and then in that way then frozen's also about masturbation um no but <laughs> the the bog to me is like kind of like the um what do you call it the the, the part where your poops comes out of the intestine large intestine duodenum <laughs> what, what's the part what's the, the part the that your poops part? come out of their gut isn't it your the duodenum either gut. duodenum or butthole well yeah. the part yeah but internally and i think the maze is sort of like the body yeah but the maze is the body and she's not going and even to the point where she's like pulling the heads off it's like you realize your head is not even though it's as a person how we communicate it's not the whole thing like your hands are part Mm. of the body and there's hands your heart i don't know which part's the heart but there's heart there's all these parts of the body that she needs to figure out how to like get to communicate together and so the only true way to get to the castle is for her to visit all the parts she can't skip straight to the castle because then she won't know how the heart works or how the hand works or how the butt works she has to Mm. figure it out just like insects if you only know how one part works you're not gonna have fun so there. What, are, what are the rocks though? Because the Can rocks come from the the bog, right? Yeah, the rocks. Like Ludo's friends, the rocks. The rocks Maybe chakras. Friends, I, I don't know. Maybe they're like chakras. He's like a stone bender. He can just talk to rocks. That's just yeah, a thing. That's just a thing. Well, that's kind of like never ending story was also big. Where there's uh, just magical offers. But you all do the time. have that yeah. in your yeah, your body. You have like um 
like you've got like blood cells you've got brain cells you've got you've got parts and i do think the rocks to me feel like being able to kind of control your body a little bit like you you know Mm. being able to actually know what's going on and understand like every part of it and be in your body Mm. like because then you it does feel magical but it's I think not, it's you know? something about the maze about knowing thyself. I mean, that's yeah. like kind of one of the tenets of the maze is to know where you're going. And that kind of presumes that you know who you are or you're like, like they talk about how you you need to like to go somewhere. You need to know a position and a vector, right? Yes. And you are. The, she so, made the maze in a way. So if you made the maze, even if you don't know where you're going, mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you if you just let instinct take over, you'll find it. Because ultimately, she made wrong choices, but her instinct was to be kind and friendly. So that mm. is actually what got her through. It wasn't they're taking the that right is. place. It was yeah. being friendly. So she and not making assumptions like Ludo is a yeah. monster because he looks monstrous. So the stuff. trusting yourself to me, it, I think it applies to masturbating too. I'll bring it back, Swaim. If you I really also think want, it's interesting. <laughs> well, the I was gonna try to apply it to masturbation, but I think it more applies to the paradox of life and what you're talking about or like the relationship to your own body or your own your own sense of self-identity or autonomy um the line that as a kid i always just thought that's a weird line it's probably just filler fear me love me do as i say and i will be your slave Hmm. do as i say and i will be your slave is almost sounds like a paradox right like i'll be my slave and i will be your slave but i think that's actually a very I mean, now that I hear Teresa's take, I'm like, that line supports that take and is very interesting to me. I think it's more indicative the, of Jareth's ga- gaslighting, though. <laughs> I don't think he ever in... You think that's just tipping his hand that he speaks He speaks doublespeak? Yeah, because in my head, uh, Jareth represents uh, like someone who can mislead you down a path in this world. Mm. Like but he says, that, yeah. here, come here, be the, I'm going to take something from you. And then you're going to like, you should thank me uh, mm. for uh, making hardship for you. I think that is an abusive system. So but has, have it, you ever been in a situation where you lied to yourself and you didn't realize till later? Uh, yes, oh, of course. Of course. It, I think it's I, the same dynamic. It is the same dynamic, but it's not what I'm saying. Like, that's just a different thing. I'm just saying I that. I agree with it. But. And that encapsulates my relationship with my genitals. Yes. Do as I say. And I will well, be when I slave. do it, I call it sleight of hand magic. Oh, my God. I call it contact juggling, and I have a man do it by sticking his arms through my. Do you guys want to hear mine. my theory? Yeah. Wait, I, can I. Just yeah, because we probably do. won't you, mention rocks again, I just want to yeah. mention uh, this conversation is turning out to be, which I always prefer way more about thoughts and ideas than like IMDB trivia. But for due diligence, I always do round up the IMDB trivia. And there was one interesting one about rocks, which is that, you know, that moment where there's a rock where from one angle, it looks like rocks. And from another angle, it looks Mm -hmm. like Jarrett's face, Uh, which is now called like a force perspective or a split Uh sculpture. This is, they invented that trick they're credited with inventing the idea of a 3d object that you turn and suddenly it clicks and it's a sculpture i just think jim henson is a god of imagination like it's crazy it's amazing done it Hmm. but they like made it a point they like in the history of man sure but it (laughs) feels like he originally also thought (sighs) of it you know i don't feel like he copied it from anyone he thought of it recency by like 
recency bias to think like, oh, that's existed forever. Just the assuming that because I, I definitely did before I read that. But a caveman uh, could have figured that out. The, we the, don't know. Sure. The most recent <laughs> King Kong movie, the Skull Island. Yeah. Has that trick in it. It's the art of the pe- tribes people who live like on the island. Mm. And like I just go, oh, it's that thing they do. Or there's like a uh-huh. production design title that's like a C and an E. And yep. depending on how the light shines, oh, et cetera, et cetera. It's all the same kind of idea of just like revealing your your perspective. I think or the your BBC Four logo was the same trick at one point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's apt art design because based off your point of view, oh. uh, something can be true or something can be nonsense. Interesting. And that is literally the second thing she learns. Things mm-hmm. do not appear what they to be what they seem in the labyrinth as she approaches Ludo and realizes he's a monster mm-hmm. and everyone's beating him up, but she's like friendly to him because she's walking in with like this mm. open mind. So that's one of her so, attributes. That maybe you had succeed. a thought that seemed like it had a lot of passion around it before. Well, I said it's that just, I thought it's funny so and I've never heard it before. And I mm-hmm. thought of it while I was watching it. I'll run it down real quickly. You ever wonder why Jareth isn't a goblin? Uh, oh yeah like why isn't he a puppet he's the why goblin he king because he has no power yeah. that's the whole thing right he actually needs that's why he wants but a baby how do you become the king of the goblins. why is he different from the rest of the he, why is he a goblin because king he's, a, he's, he's tricked them he's deceived them and himself he doesn't have people okay. who look yeah. like him and so he has to co- convince the goblins to follow him but without them he has no power so he wants an heir right. so that he can so I want to unpack this idea damn you should that, write a novelized prequel yeah that's really from fucking Jared's good point of view, I'm gonna seriously. throw out there yeah I want uh and I I want to take that idea and then I also want to put in your head the question of what's up with the junkyard like the trash area mm. and I want to offer this idea in your mind and see how like well that thought thread mm-hmm. goes what if Jareth was a Toby what if he was a baby that the goblins stole and took him to the labyrinth <laughs> because then the junkyard starts to make sense. And he and could here's only, why. He, maybe huh. he's trying to get Toby to replace him and then he can finally be Something. free. I don't that's know. Like yeah. a wizard of, oh, that's like from Wicked, what, the, right? If you notice the mm-hmm. junkyard is all stuff uh-huh. that is like from specific, very mm. overly specific stuff to unique people. It's all the people stuff when they wish the babies away, like if a mother or a huh. father or a sister or a brother said, like, I don't want this child anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all it's their stuff. And mm. it represents. And like, so Sarah must lose a part of herself, the childish part, in order to take responsibility responsibility for the child. That's why all of her stuff like mm. gets destroyed. Uh, and like the lady's trying to like form another version of her by putting things on her back. If you remember that Ooh, scene, I didn't even think about that. But the lady, I think, represents it's like you her should become Agnes, right? So we have that. Uh, and then I started mm. to think about what if the goblins themselves. <laughs> are the people who wish the children, brothers, sisters away. And this is all their stuff they don't need anymore because over time they become inhuman and (sighs) self-obsessed. This would make them, 
even on the team of allies like Ludo and Hoggle and stuff, uh-huh. representatives of possible psychological responses to ignoring their lives huh. and like more socially, like I don't want to do the socially accepted pursuits. So I'm going to go to this fantasy world and I'm going to become a goblin basically because she, mm. even Ludo and even all like it's Wizard of Oz, right? She comes across egotists and cowards. They're usually self-possessed, even like uh, what's his name? The, the Fox. Oh, or they're apathetic. Or the guy like with the hat. He's uh, he's yeah. incompetent. The hat's egotistical. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, and Hoggle even starts by saying, "Don't tell me I didn't warn you." With this like nihilistic attitude, like he thinks that the labyrinth itself, like it's just gonna function and it's just gonna grind you up, and you're just gonna get spit out like the rest of us. Uh, well, when but do Hoggle you think sees- Sarah's immune to that though? Because it truthfully just because we like her and she's the protagonist we give her a break but she literally i think did she just does all what, the right things no you she think she's a, just the chosen one that breaks the no cycle, i mean she literally ultimately. does something bad and then has to answer for her mistakes she wished away the baby not once but twice and she did it but she and then says she you immediately have no more power over me well i just mean she's in the beginning herself from someone else's huh? point of view who it's like she wished the goblins waited for her to say their words she did it and then immediately she said, I yes. didn't mean it. But she did. We know she meant it. We were there. She, she meant it. And then she and then changed she her mind. Yeah, but that then mm-hmm. don't you wouldn't you argue that that's like not how the world works? You have to face the consequences. I, I would. It's just I life would. In the I think that, but I would say also in a child's story that that's something that they would focus on one thing and it wouldn't be perfect. But it's everyone has those thing. moments, right? Hoggle has a redeeming yeah, moment. Yeah, I think that's good to point out. Uh, I want to just do one last evidence thing, okay. which is Hoggle sees Sarah for the first time. He says, oh, it's you. It's you. Yeah. <laughs> and then when she specifically says, I'm Sarah, he responds, that's what I figured. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> because I think Hoggle might know that the story has been looping. Like there's a time loop Ooh, or something. And I she's always this. Sarah and she's always looking for Jareth slash Toby. But that, uh, that speaks to my point of it's, it's all her. So everyone inside you would know it's you. Well, it definitely is because it's a world. It's built of her us. imagination. We all agree. Not on necessarily that, right? though. Right. We don't know. Well, okay. I, I want to address Abe's point about the baby because and the junkyard because you just gave me another okay. insight that I think is different and interesting is that the junkyard represents <laughs> this is when all my trauma training has come back in as a child you're supposed to naturally have that happen around this age but as an adult when I didn't have that as a late in my late 20s I had that where I realized I was really getting stuck and like when you have trauma you haven't dealt with it stays in your body and you do get brought into the past a lot there's a lot of time travel where you're not in the present and you often get triggered or you suddenly like hang on to things like junk but in order to be in the present and then move on you have to actually let go literally so for most People, that's a natural thing to do at that age. So I don't think she, it's a story about trauma. But if you watch as an adult, it's a story about trauma. It but applies. She, yeah. Mm-hmm. But as a child, that's a natural part of growing up. So I think, Swaym, I realize what you meant now. It is about growing up. I think because I didn't have that experience growing up, it didn't make sense to me. And now I'm realizing that is how a lot of people grew up. And I grew up later. So I think... Um, that junkyard is like a representation of like the memories will always be with you and you are always you no mm. matter what you don't need the things i think that's right and 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 i think the, the her being a like woman especially when there's so many men in there i do think there is a mother um tie in there yeah yeah her Can mother I left yeah ask uh, Teresa because you're 
takes are so precious as someone who is viewing it with fresh eyes. Can we talk about Chili Down with the Fire Gang? Because you might not even, I don't know if people know those are the lyrics, but it's the song that goes, Chili Down with the Fire Gang. And they all rip their heads off. Besides the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) and when I was a kid... All I want, I was obsessed with this movie, but that song was the one part I didn't like. It scared me. It made me weirdly uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Do you so, think it's Teresa, like a penis thing? What's your thing? take on? No, it felt. Because um, I, 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 I didn't. Do you think it's like a castration sort of like symbology? Two things. I think I was a little young for ripping your head off. I, like they were saying, we want to rip her head off. That was just a little grisly for me as a kid. I was a little mm. young for that. Also, the fact that it's weirdly so we haven't even talked about this and we probably won't have time to go into it but it's a masterful obviously it's a masterful achievement in like puppetry and the craftsmanship of how this yeah. was made right um chili down in the fire gang looks shitty though i think it like the comping is bad uh-huh. the green screen or however yeah, they, they did the chrome they green with the blue screen. so it looked yeah. weird it's about ripping a girl's head off, which I think I was young enough that that was genuinely scary to me. And then also, I think I instinctively understood that it is a huh. structurally divergent scene. Like, this movie is so perfectly made, and by which I mean traditionally made, that literally she says, or the goblins, I'm sorry, the moment that, and by the way, how chilling is this? I love it. But when the baby <laughs> just suddenly stops crying. Uh-huh. That is literally to the second, the 10 minute mark of the movie. So this is the kind of movie we're talking about. And so I think as even as a kid, I understood that there's Mm. no place in this movie for the chili down in the wild. This is the Oracle moment, right? It's like the Oracle moment. What is that moment? Why is it in the story? Okay. I have some thoughts. First, I think you saying that makes me think that's probably, I, I didn't track it, but it feels like probably where it would be like the meeting with the Oracle and what you're describing makes sense. Like where it's sort of like mm. this weird resting place. And I, I didn't really see it as castration, but you saying it was um, uncomfortable made me think that. For From a female perspective, it might be a weird like period thing, which or menstruation thing, which could then be um, fit into this idea that it's divergent because you only really bleed the first time once. Um, and then it's different after that. So that would make sense. Um, but I had a more surface reaction because I've been told by fortune tellers to watch out for fire. And then now I'm dating an Aries and I've just like never <laughs> been around this much fiery energy. And I'm like, wow, fire everywhere. So when I see fire, I always just think about that prophecy. I'm like, fire is going to be the death of me. I'm all water. Um, I am, I'm just like a water sign through and through with some earth. Um, which is why I like the rocks. Uh, but when you view it like that, I, for rocks, friends. Yeah, I I think that it does represent stuff in the body. I don't know what they were going for, but my visceral reaction was like, "Oh, cool, like drugs and whatever and shit is like fun." And then what? also, you gotta just learn how to like have fun, but then like be like, "I'm good. I'm gonna walk away." Like it might have yeah. been the nod to drugs. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been the nod to drugs, or it. I literally believe it could have been a craftsmanship challenge. Hmm. Like a puppetry master or Jim Henson or Frank Oz realized they wanted to do a sequence where puppets had their body parts split apart and they just I, wanted to do but it. But the dancing, I love the dancing. Like, that part I of, right, maybe I they just thought like it was a great bit. I yeah. got but, up and danced like in my room during this part. It's I think song. you're both wrong though. <laughs> okay. Because uh, right, it good, does good. have a very structural, good. specific part in the tale of like the 
uh, the hero's journey. Yeah. And it is the time in which after you've collected all of the people together, like the group, you, you have a unity built. Mm. You have to test the main character again. And this comes from like the Fergus myth. And it's um, basically trying to say, I think it's baser than that because mm. if you notice their language is a lot about, there's a lot of, it's, it's kind of actually fucked up, but it's 1986. Uh, there's a lot of like Jamaican language in that, like oh, in terms I was of the accents and stuff. Give them huh? the benefit of the doubt. You're calling them out on that shit. Okay. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm I calling think them that's out there. in the same way they'll call out anyone in 1986 for doing that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. But like, point is that what they're trying to say is that these are the threats. These are people who are going to take advantage of you hmm. if you are alone without friends, if you don't have like some form of self protection. Like, if you if you're going to go out in the world, the world is sometimes fucked up like this. And that's what that's huh. reminding her of so that she can then double down on the methodology that she started, which is to befriend people who that she like can be kind to, who will be kind back to her and build this infrastructure that is a.k.a. her life and her mm. choices that are healthily made. She can abet that in any in any situation. It's a very waspy kind. And of you think they just made them vaguely black voice guys? Yeah, I mean that's like something of racism. note. But I think it's ultimately what the Henson and them are doing is trying to say like, look, there's bad people out there, which I think is like that's why I mentioned the black thing because it's like that's kind of fucked up, man. Well, I think but, that's why I always tried to think they can't mean that. So what's the point of this scene? Ooh, I, I think the point is simply to remind that. us of the threats of the outside. I I thought that builds on it's what, scary what you're saying, Abe. If you smoke pot, someone will rip your head off. <laughs> yes, exactly. That <laughs> okay. is exactly what they're saying. I want to add on to what you're saying, Abe, because I, okay, maybe it's not the meaning of the Oracle, but what you describe is very interesting because she is alone and she has a threat, but you are forgetting a very important part, which is that she alone defeats them, not by chance. She does it by her smarts, which means that lesson doesn't is not real. The lesson that you'll be hurt if you're on your own is not real because literally if it was real, that would be the end. So I think that's I, the resolution. Well, yeah. I take it then as she's actually, that's the moment she fights herself. Like that, for the whole time, she kept asking people, where do I go, where do I go? She never made a choice. That was the mm. first time she was alone and had the friends, and we liked the friends. It's not like she needed right, to lead the friends. Right. But alone, as a person, She's, she mm. kept herself safe and got away. And after that, she realized she can keep her friends safe and herself, but she doesn't need them, but she can. It's That's right. the no, moment for me. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about that. And like just to get deeper into like the into the woods mythos, the Parsifal myth, the mm. Fergus myth, like all this stuff that's coming out of like that nonsense that is like the hero's journey. Um, it's you can't look at these. These are all just tactics. Right. So like her tactic, how she survives in this instance or like in the next instance, it's not in the face of the fact that she has friends, it's like, here's just another tool in her toolkit mm -hmm. is that she can also survive on her own. Yes. That's absolutely true. She does return to the group because that will be, be the uh, most powerful thing that ends everything yeah. in the movie. It's like they lift her up. It's like a, even though she beats Jareth Well, then she says, herself I have to do alone, this on my own because that's the way it's done. Right. Yeah. She then has that scene that like Michael was mentioning at the end where it's like, if you need us, we'll be here. So it's like, the strength comes from friends, but you are the strength. Yes. Like you are the tip of the spear, but we're also a part of the, you know, the body. Mm. Um, that's like kind of what the hero's mythos usually does. It mm. usually comes from friendship, but you have to make the actual gesture, the jump yourself. 
Yeah, I like that a lot because I I think that's something that took me a long time to learn. But the idea that instead of when you leave a scary situation or fight like that, like with the fire, let's say, instead of seeing that as like, oh my god, I never want to be there again, like oh, I I almost died, thinking as like you survive, like thinking as you survive, like. I am a warrior. Like I didn't want to be there, but I survived and I won. Which means if I was mm-hmm. there again, I know what to do. I'm not actively going to mm-hmm. go there again, but I'm no longer afraid of these fire people because I know how, I know what to do. I'm a right. warrior. I know how to take care of them. You just kick yeah. their head off, and then they like you just take their head off. When yeah. they you take just, their head off, you very actually, cleverly think, kick it away. <laughs> I think the tactic she actually employs in that one is more like a better description would be distraction. Is that these types of these high these these weed people you will get distracted if you like throw something <laughs> down a path and they'll mm-hmm. go "Ooh, what's that and then you can bail it's interesting uh, that i'm thinking about the human the, body now if it was a map like what part of puberty that'd be i'm like is it like the hair follicles she's pulling out of her armpits like i'm like what is this everything's sleight of hand magic <laughs> <laughs> let's just, let's just also like- <laughs> maybe i don't know what uh jamaican patois was in 1986 or seven but mm-hmm. I don't believe that the phrase I can chilly down with the fire gang just sounds like something a really white motherfucker wrote. Oh, right. 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 Like, weed. Yeah. What do you think brothers who smoke weed say? Chilly down with the fire gang? I don't know, dude. Yeah, yeah we're the fire gang, man. We're the fire gang. Yeah, and we're just chilling down. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's like uh Michael Sayers saying, I smoked it. I smoked a marijuana cigarette. <laughs> but, and exactly. I love, I, you just don't get a kid's movie anymore. And it's all the wackiness of David Bowie or it wouldn't have happened. But like mm. where the he lyrics to the songs are. No, all the song lyrics are bananas. Yeah. They yeah. have no business being in a kid's <laughs> movie. There's a, he's, I'll lay my love between the stars as the pain sweeps through. <laughs> that's just that's heavy those are that's the lyrics when they're dancing in the bubble yeah i'll lay my love between the stars as the pain sweeps through i think it's saying that there's a duality of opening yourself up yeah wait that actually is very interesting you have to give to get and you have to get to give if you believe in the idea that energy cannot be well energy physically can't be destroyed or created in order if you have enough (laughs) you literally in order to get something from someone else you have to give up something from yourself that's, okay. All right. Yeah. Hot shot. Then I'm going to bring up the the <laughs> moment everyone quotes the most that we haven't quoted yet. We almost made it to the end without doing it. Wait, can but... I guess? I have no idea what it is. Okay, okay. Well, okay. First, I'll let you guess. But I, my only question you about it is... You get 19 guesses. Is, you, get, you get one guess. Is it the question is, though, um, mm-hmm. what does this bit of dialogue mean? Because you've had an answer for every bit of dialogue. And I'm trying to prove that some of this movie is just nonsense. Because I really believe some of it's mm. just nonsense. It could yeah. be nonsense. Depends on... All what, right, but what? first, first, what do you think is the most mimetic oh, moment of gosh, this movie? Now I'm like, okay, is it... Nothing, the nothing, po- tra no. That's close. Hello. But- no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um... <laughs> we'll see some kind of labyrinth what? now oh. I don't know I'm really thrown off I mean I'm guessing it has to do with something she and Jareth said because they seem like the most pivotal people but uh, I don't know go for it tell me what it is Abe will, will you do the obligatory with me I don't know oh oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah alright yeah, 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 you yeah, remind yeah. me of the babe what babe the babe with the power what power the power of voodoo uh, voodoo you do do what <laughs> remind me of the babe um fucking everyone loves that moment uh-huh. and yeah. i challenge you 
to tie it to anything we've spoken about in the episode. Interesting. I do remember hearing that and being like, huh? And then at the end, it sings it too. And I was wondering if it's some weird appropriation thing because they talk about voodoo. Oh, okay. Well, huh. You remind me of the babe. The So I think he's the babe. It's inner child work. It's simple. It's very simple. It's the idea of self-parenting, okay? It's when you feel that you are growing out of your um, the ability to have your own caretakers keep you safe. You have to reckon with the fact that they won't keep you safe and they actually never have. That's the truth because they're doing their best, but nobody is perfect. And in order to recognize that, you have to recognize that for most of your life, mm. you survived by sheer chance because the people who raised you didn't have the answers and they couldn't keep you safe even if they wanted to. They just did their best, which is a very scary moment to realize. And that's when you, you could go either deep, deep down and fall forever or you can lift yourself up and go, you know what? But they figured it out and I'm alive. So cool. Now I have to figure out how to keep myself safe. And then you do that to your kids. You do the same lie. You lie to them again. You go, I know everything. I know what's best. And then at some point they have that moment and they're like, fuck. You didn't know. And the babe is the moment when you didn't know and things were good and you felt safe. So he's reminded of the babe, the babe, the what is the power of voodoo? It's magic because it was an illusion. Nobody is perfectly safe, but you need to feel safe in order to keep going and make a choice. Otherwise, you'll be paralyzed by your limbic system because it's fight, flight or freeze. There. Did that work? I think it's close. I, I actually, I have another answer, okay. another possibility, Michael, which is, all right, so Jareth is talking to a goblin, right? Okay. Right. You remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power of voodoo. Hmm. Okay. So, Oh, is this going to go that, into your theory about he's going to turn and morph into a goblin later? <laughs> maybe. No, uh, that, that's a very good point. I mean, he does at one point look at the baby and say, like, you have my eyes. Uh, but uh, the thing with the babe and the babe with the power is that the power of babes is like imagination. And I think that's what he means by voodoo. And I think that I do think there's something real in this movie about the magic of imagination for sure. Exactly. And innocence in particular, innocence slash imagination, because I think um, it, it comes from babes, the power of babes, the, the mind of babes where, uh, like you have a twinkle in your eye that is unique to children, which is because you have not like life has not battered you down yet. Because there's that little look in your eye, like you're excited about something just for like the thrill of like, I don't know. That's why we like imagination just for the thrill of it, just to imagine it. That huh. is the end. It's not a means. It's just an end in itself. Also, um, well, if your thing is that the labyrinth is a time loop, you remind me of the babe. It starts and ends with you remind me of the babe. So it is a loop mm. as well. Yeah. And the thing is that this is the moment. When he's looking, it's actually, I think the tone of the song, if this is the interpretation of the song, I'm not saying it is, it could be nonsense, you're probably right. But if this is the interpretation of the song, it doesn't fit with like the kind of upbeat tone of the song itself. Because the song, this is actually, would be, if you look at, under this interpretation, if you look at the rest of the lyrics of the song, this is Jareth saying to his own goblin horde, like, she's winning. Hmm. She's winning. All of you are 
assholes. <laughs> like right. you're just what, like well, I'm trying to what like kind knock of her down and spell beat, to you. The, yeah. Beat the imagination and like children from yeah. like I'm trying to do this thing over here, and you guys are falling in love with her. You guys are falling in love with this little thing that she's doing, which is imagining her way out of the situation, kind of thing. Um, well, it's it's mm. it's complex because she's also trying to defeat that part of herself, not defeat it, but I guess like move on to the next cycle of life. I I um, bump against this yeah. idea that imagination is a power for kids because like not only do we all work at a place where I would say everyone was very imaginative and it wasn't like something we in spite of did. Like I think we're also functional adults. I think that's a, one of those lies adults say that kids have imagination. And I don't think it's imagination at all. I think it's literally your brain creating answers for questions you don't know. And as you get older and you know answers, you replace them with answers. But the imaginations part is still there for you to seek knowledge. But the part we stop listening to is the part that needs more knowledge because we assume all the knowledge has been found, which is not true. Mm. And as a child, because you haven't been taught it's been found, you keep looking. That's what I think imagination is because it's this idea of creating a solution when there is none. But we have that power as adults. We just forget that. Like, that's why we do right. stupid things like, you know, no. vote for yeah. a centrist or whatever when we think that there's no other way because it's like, there is. I love that's amazing. Literally, we all have it. We ha literally never gave up our imagination. We just learned some information and decided to stop that's learning That's a very more. transcendentalist take on it. I, I'm just citing. <laughs> all I'm saying is like, it's it's very, uh, what's his name? William Blake, Songs of Innocence, Songs of um, mm. Experience. It's that classical version of it or that romantic version like saying that that's what children are and that's what uh, adults are. I'm not mm. saying it's right. I'm just saying that that's like the framework in which fairy tales usually occupy. Mm -hmm. They usually kind of start with the assumption of like, for example, if you're evil, you're usually pretty ugly, mm. right? In these tales, if you're a witch and you got like pimples, you're probably going to kill like some that. Kids. The symbology is clear. Yeah. yeah. But yours, yours is more of like the woke, you know, myth. <laughs> well, I love, all I can say is, both of you are much smarter than me, and this really makes me want to do a whole podcast series where I just mediate, hey, what, what about this scene from The Labyrinth? And you give completely wildly different takes on it. What's up with the dog, though? We never talked about that. There's just a dog. The Merlin. It's, Wait, it's you mean Didymus? Yeah. Well, it's Toto. It's Toto. No, it's but I mean Toto. that everything's a weird like creature, and then we just get a oh, dog. The fact that, the, that Didymus rides a real dog. Yeah, it's just a dog. Yeah. I thought it was a, almost <laughs> an allusion to the classic goofy Pluto question where they're <laughs> like, it, it's like, a, hmm. it's a wink to the fact that, look, they're puppets. So we put in a real dog because that's yeah. funny, right? Mm. There's a yeah, puppet dog hell. riding a real dog. That's cute as it's hell. It's cute as hell. Again, I would argue that a bunch of stuff in Labyrinth were just crafts choices that didn't mean anything but that's why i want to do a series where i just force you guys <laughs> you force us to, to fill in nonsense. as if it did that doesn't, mean something. that's not for anybody yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a dumb thing no it's two things it's cute as fucking hell Two, uh merlin it's Mer you know yeah. merlin the dog's name is the, merlin. the dog the, well the dog at the beginning mm. which is jennifer Connolly's sarah's dog in real life right it's doing the same thing as when we're toto when we is in wizard of room. oz you got to incorporate your pet because they're in your memory yeah it's yeah. like okay you represent this you represent this but toto is like literally one-to-one -one. it's like i have my dog and like when i go into this fantasy dream world it's still the same dog that maybe is saying um, more than we realize is 
children and animals actually have more insight into the world. Constancy. They're more know. true. Yeah, Another could, case yeah. for why Jareth is Toby. All I'm saying. What would... Oh, man. I want to... <laughs> I want... I really think there is a wicked style story here about how the labyrinth functions and all the detailed mechanical mystical lore. Right, like what how is it how was it built? Who built it? Yeah, you know? to what mm -hmm. end? Like Jareth's whole backstory. Is he the backstory? first Goblin King? God, I just want David Bowie to still be alive, you guys. Uh, <laughs> also, I wish we could hug at this point. Yeah. If it's a time loop somewhere in somewhere someplace he's alive. He's yeah, alive in that bubble. Yeah, <laughs> and then that bubble bursts, and you fall from the masquerade and into an mm -hmm. Escher-esque <laughs> stairwell dream. You know, classic stuff. You smack against the hard reality of a cod piece that we all. What would you do if someday. you at the end? I'm of, just remembering middle school. <laughs> what would you guys do if at the end of your like you know like if literally like at the end of your life it's like okay we're done, and then it is David Bowie as the Goblin King like surprise the meaning of life was yeah. this and then like would you be like. Oh my god! Like it'd be because it's like we—it's funny, yes. but it's like if that actually happened, be like, oh, now it makes sense. You showed us this movie so that we would. Know. I'd be like, I see. You took a form that would be most pleasing to me. I would assume that that was a tailored <laughs> image for my benefit, and God appears mm. differently to different people. It could be people. however you want. You're right. It doesn't matter. Believe or not believe. You would <laughs> believe never know. Or not, that's you would never the, know. That's what you, see, I would immediately be like. <laughs> Let's dance, babe. <laughs> and then get him to say what, babe? And I say the power. The oh, power. you would do the bail. So I'd turn it on him. And he'd be like, Do you have any idea how often I get this? I'm sick of doing this with fans. Yeah, and I'd be like, That's <laughs> odd. <laughs> <laughs> like, hoodoo? Um. That's it. Well, it's the pause where we all feel like we should hug, but we can't. So I think that's Aww. an episode. That's this kind of an so episode, fun. Teresa. What have you been working on? What an incredible recently take that on the brand. Is, yeah. <laughs> what have I, I always loved having Oh, yeah, plug. Chat with yeah, you. yeah, yeah, we're sloppily sure. transitioning into plug time. You could follow me, I guess, if you want to hear my deranged thoughts um, at Larissa T on Twitter. Um, and oh, I, I did start an OnlyFans to talk about the singularity and get into more like old diary entries and write poetry. So it's, it's all of this stuff, but like much less funny because it's like me being like, now the brain. This is how it works. Time is an infinite mm. loop. So if you like that, but if you, you like that mushroom video from Cracked, you'll, it's a lot of my mm. real thoughts without punchlines. <laughs> Aries need not apply though, right? You ban all Aries, Aries No, I mean, well, I, I, I unfortunately love an Aries. So oh. uh, <laughs> I, I love Teresa so much. She's like, <laughs> she, she gets me, but her astrology takes, I, I just, I'll never get it. I'll never get it ever. I'm a water sign mm. too. I, I, I just, I don't get it. You don't get astrology. Like, I mean, doesn't it make, I just don't. And it's just something we're going to disagree. I'm gonna say what, can I say one Abe. thing? I can, can say, I say one thing? Yeah. I'm going to say Go one ahead. thing. You don't have to like agree, but just imagine the Fuck human, you, Abe. I'm out. The, no, the human fetus developing and all the cells, um, where your heart is, where your eyes are, it actually determines what the function is, the organs and things. Why would mm -hmm. it be so different that where you were born on a planet Earth, which is a body, if you think about it, Mother Earth, would be affected by the location? Because they're so far away. The stars yeah, are so Yeah, where's your eye in relation away. to your, I mean, like, where is your, like, a tiny blood cell in the middle of your heart in relation Not to- Not that far. <laughs> 
So no, you only, started as a sperm and an egg. I'm just saying, you used right, to be a little right. cell. You, you know what? <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's. I love it. I. I love you. You're amazing. Uh, I want your energy all the time. It's great. I just. I can't. Okay. I can't go down I this concede. road with I concede. I concede. It's okay. Yeah, I concede too. I respect your boundaries. We all exactly. There we are. There we are. But I love talking to you for you know, for content reasons. I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's that's a sewed, right? I think so. Thanks, Thanks for having us me. in on this. Don't tell me truth hurts, little girl, because it hurts like hell. This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!